Welcome to Let's Talk Memoir, a podcast for memoir lovers, readers, and writers. I'm your host, Ronit Plank. Today, my guest is Lily Dunn. Lily Dunn writes fiction and nonfiction. Her literary memoir, Sins of My Father, A Daughter, A Cult, A Wild Unraveling, is published by Wiedenfeld and Nicholson, and her novel, Shadowing the Sun by Portobello Books. She has personal essays in Granta, Litro, Hinterland, MIR Online, and The Real Story, and is a regular writer for Ion Magazine. She is co-editor of A Wild and Precious Life Recovery Anthology with Zoe Gilbert. She teaches creative writing at Bath Spa University in the UK and co-runs London Lit Lab. Welcome, Lily. Thank you. Thank you so much for that introduction as well. Yes, I'm so glad that you're here. And we have done this before for my previous podcast, and then everything changed. And so you are my guest for the second time, but this time in a very focused conversation about your new memoir and the writing process. And a little bit of background, and we're going to get into this as you describe Sins of My Father, we share a little bit of background in that each of us has a parent who followed the guru Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh. And so the intersection for me with your story and your writing process and the fact that you also are a writing teacher was captivating to me. And I, I just had to have you on Let's Talk Memoir. Well, thank you so much for inviting me back. I remember our last conversation very well. And it was one of my first interviews around the subject of Bhagwan and being a daughter of someone who joined that religious cult. And it was a really lovely way into that whole kind of world of talking about that story and talking about writing about it as well. So thank you. Yes. And, you know, I think when you said that, it it reminds me that once we have our memoirs in the world and when people are consuming these memoirs that memoirists write, it sounds or seems as if memoirists are always ready to share these intimate parts of our lives. But it's not always the case. And for many writers, a memoir is sort of a very big step to make the decision to share a story that's been gnawing on you for most of your life. Oh, absolutely. No, I th- and I think even, I mean, you probably found this with your book as well, even, you know, when the book is out there, and you've been working on it for years and years, you're still not really prepared for for how people take it, how your family feels about it. You know, it's it's an ongoing process, mm-hmm. I'd say. Yes, and I think it comes up a lot. I would imagine that you hear this from your students or from people who have memoirs in progress. Yes. Um, I mean, it's, it's, I think also, it's one of those sticking blocks, isn't it, that somebody might be carrying a story, particularly if it's a family story around with them and have that itch to write it, but they, they just don't, they can't manage to do it. It becomes like a writer's block, because they're so concerned about how people are going to receive it, you know, and and hurting, Mm -hmm. hurting people who are close to them. And, they just can't quite get their head around how that's going to manifest itself. And it's something I'm always encouraging my students to try not to think about that, at least in the early stages, you know, to write as if you are completely free. And then, you know, you have enough time through the editorial process to then reflect on, you know, what you feel comfortable with. It is it is a continued process of checking in with yourself, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So can you share a bit about your memoir, Sins of My Father? Yes, I'd love to. Thank you. So, yeah, I mean, as, as you said, uh, my father 
joined Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, much like your mother, um, in the 70s. But it wasn't just that. The book is not just about that. It's it's really about my enduring love for him, for a man who was very charismatic and very attractive, who I loved, who was also very successful, but it was also a narcissist and a philanderer and a liar. He married my mother when he was very young. My mother was even younger. I think they were like 18 or 19. And it was a very quick union and, and marriage, I think within a year, which, which is what happened in the 60s. And then my dad very quickly became unfaithful to her. You know, it, it sort of just had a roving eye. And, and, and I think for him, it was sort of that need to be recognized or, or noticed by, by something other. Um, and that, that led him into the Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh cult, which, of course, was, was sort of, a lot of it was about taking away one's responsibility and allowing you to behave in whatever way, you know, be dictated by your instincts. And I think that that suited my father quite well. So anyway, I the reason that I wrote it was because he ended up dying of alcoholism. He became an alcoholic just in the last 10 years of his life. And it was a very kind of quick and, and quite sort of tragic death in that it was very self-destructive. And I couldn't quite understand how somebody who had, you know, been very adventurous, very charismatic, very successful, um, had always followed his own sort of desires in, in a, you know, in a spiritual quest and, and in, in ways that were quite admirable in lots of ways, um, apart from the philandering, you know, could end up so kind of catastrophically self-destructive. And I think this question kind of followed me around. And yeah, it was very much what you said, Ronit, you know, it's like you, you get to a, a point in your life where you can't sort of I mean I'm a writer and and so I'm used to um, interrogating things in my own life but I felt like I had to I had to tackle it and non-fiction and, and memoir really felt like the best way of doing that mm-hmm and there's so much for me to delve into here there's that your your memoir is incredibly rich and has so many parts at play, which I hope we can spend a little bit of time on. The The first thing I want to dig into is that in your memoir itself, you mention you wrote stories, you were always sort of oriented as a writer. And I think you have parents who wrote and who published, which is so interesting as well, because you kind of were steeped in that community and that idea about what you could create in the world, which I find fascinating. And, and I wonder if you found it empowering. And we can definitely delve into that too. But you, you mentioned in your memoir that you have a novel that included aspects of what you experienced in your family growing up, and that you wrote a lot of different stories along the way. So when did you know that you were actually going to tackle the memoir? Was it shortly after your father's death? What was the catalyst for you to begin? Yeah, it's really interesting, this question, because um, kind of reflecting on it just as you were asking that, actually, uh, I think I've resisted writing about my father throughout my whole writing life. But he's always slipped in to my subject matter. I had another idea for um, a novel early on and went on a writing residential course and I was encouraged and I, I ended up sort of chatting to the tutors late into the night and told them about my childhood. And they were like, well, that's your story. You know, of course, you've got to write from from that. And that was about my dad when he lived in Italy and, and my visits visiting him when I was a teenager and certain betrayals that happened during that time. So and once I once I sort of gave in to 
writing about that it actually it just it just flowed out of me you know it was something mm. it was it was a it was a ready formed story in terms of the memoir i again i i actually applied for a phd um had a supervisor i went with a different idea and she was like mm, not sure <laughs> and she <laughs> she she knew about my novel and she said well look why don't you you know why don't you experiment with creative nonfiction and why don't you attempt to to write that that book but you know write it as a as a nonfiction book so a much more integrative in sort of intensely researched you know like a, a bigger project mm, and mm-hmm. again I resisted it I was like well I don't want to write about my dad for God's sakes you know he's followed me around my whole life why would I do that but I I started I the so the the real I mean it was it, he, she was encouraging me but also. The real catalyst was that I was going through a marriage breakup and this was sort of maybe about seven or eight years after my father had died. But And that that kind of propelled me to start writing about stuff that felt quite unprocessed at that point, which I think was my grief over my father. So I began writing essays, but it it came out, you know, they came out of me in quite a sort of fit of of compulsion, you know, I I needed Mm -hmm. to get this stuff out. And those essays started to get published. So those are the ones that were published in Granta and Eon. So actually, I sort of, I sort of felt my way into it, and then realized actually that this was something I needed to spend some time with and that the longer I spent with it the more I started to understand my dad and my relationship with him. And it's also interesting to me about the approach of a memoirist because had you begun writing the memoir maybe before your father's death or before the breakup of your marriage I wonder how different your lens would have been in the memoir as it reflected your growth and what you understood about your relationships. Yeah, and I think that's also really interesting because I've spoken to other memoirists about this who have written either to commission, which I I think is a very tricky thing. I I, I don't know what I feel about that in my own writing practice because I think it would be very hard to write a memoir to commission, but Mm. or writing quite soon after the event. And so there is an immediacy to their writing, which you know, makes it very unique and and works on lots of levels. The writer kind of invites the reader right into the centre of that feeling and it it can feel quite raw and and very sometimes unprocessed, but that, that that can have its strengths, you know, there's something very compelling about that. In my case, I think it was really important that I had a lot of distance from what had happened to me as a child and then what happened you know the the feelings that came up with my dad's sort of catastrophic death and and so actually having that space to reflect as well as it taking me quite a few years to write the book I think really really helped I was also going through quite rigorous therapy I was seeing a Jungian therapist and also a marriage counsellor so I was I was I, I was kind of forced to be in that reflective state. And I think that that helps with the kind of memoir that I've written. It, it does hinge very much on that reflective voice, you know, being able to try and interrogate and understand certain things. It has that slight sort of detective quality to it. Oh, it certainly does. And I think that's part of the, the tension and what helps turn the page as well. Beyond the interest in your story and who you are and how you're developing, I found there was a lot of tension in wanting to learn what you discover about your patterns and what you're coming to realize about your psychology, which makes it so rich. Mm. It's it's very present on the page, that searching. And I was 
I was really intrigued by that because while there isn't a scene to scene type of narrative in your memoir, I found it very compelling because the internal journey that you're on is crafted so clearly on the page. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, thank you. I'm just thinking about how I did that. I, I'm not sure that I was that conscious about how I was doing that. It, it just sort of, you know, what, what happens in the book is that it's, it's a kind of half biography of my father and then it's, and then it becomes a story about the legacy of his behavior. So Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, I'm. I feature in it in in the story about him, and that I'm his daughter, and I'm reflecting on his actions and how they affected me. But it it the the two stories then sort of converge towards the end, and I quite liked that. And it was it was almost like you know, as my father kind of hits rock bottom, I start to climb yes. up, and I start to you know find my own voice and my own autonomy, and that that sort of happened quite naturally. The thing that I did work quite hard on and changed quite a lot was the opening chapter. I had a different opening chapter, which actually was the moment that I found out that my father had died was also just very soon after I'd had my daughter, my first child. Mm -hmm. And there was something about that sort of death and birth that I felt was, you know, quite poignant. But my partner, who's a screenwriter, had felt that actually there there was a better place that he felt I should have started, which was... The scam, which my father got in, mm. embroiled in an awful scam, a ridiculous scam. And we, we didn't understand how he could had fallen for it. But by that point, he was, you know, I think quite brain. I don't know if he was brain damaged, but he was definitely deluded and he was drinking a lot. And we weren't really aware of how much he was drinking. But I think it was affecting his 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 mm-hmm. sort of cognitive ability to, to work out what was going on. Anyway, so I, I committed to, to trying out writing that that as a first chapter. And that really is what kind of made the narrative fly I think it it started mm-hmm. with this tension that and and question mm-hmm. so it yeah it was quite an interesting process and and you know of course a screenwriter is always looking for the drama <laughs> you know they're, they're looking and and, and in, in memoir you, you can get too kind of bogged down I suppose by the reality of what happened or the chronology of what happened Mm -hmm, definitely well I I I was just going to mention before you said uh you know a screenwriter is looking for the drama how lovely to have a partner in your life who is a screenwriter to help to help you know collaborate a little bit I mean that must be lovely it is yeah Yeah. So I noticed that, and I really want to talk about this because it's something that I pay a lot of attention to in the memoirs I read and and how I learned, which is that you you do offer the reader a generous, really a 360-degree view of your father and his childhood. And you do it again with his second wife, who you present as a fully formed character before you say anything at all about what the effect of her was on you. And you you talk about your father's childhood and others with whom you had complicated or fraught relationships. So can you talk about why that is important to you as a memoirist? Yeah, I like this question. I think in a way, we owe it to our subject to do that. We're all interested, aren't we, in the psychology of 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 motiv- the motivation, the psychology of of why. So for me, if I was going to commit to writing about people who I care about, who I'm close to, I mean, I haven't had contact with my stepmother for a long time, but she she's still someone I hold very dearly in in my heart. Then I owe it to 
them to try to understand it from their point of view, I think. You know, we're not writing for vengeance or mm -hmm. blame. It's not, it's not about pointing fingers. It's about simple sort of wanting answers. And so part of that is really, really digging into who these people can be to, to the best of your ability. I mean, you know, it's not a book about my stepmother, but I do try to... It, it, it helps me to understand her by putting her in the context of her life as well as the life that I was a part of and, and was a child in. And I think that, that there's also a healing quality to that as in your own life. You know, if you can understand it better, then you can you can put it away. You know, you can you can tra mm -hmm. you can transcend it. You can you can r rise above it. Yes. And I think that also for me, when I read work like this, and also when I wrote about my mother's, uh, for lack of a better term, her backstory, I and my father's, I, I wanted to also emphasize, when you spend that kind of time on someone who with whom you have a complicated relationship, it also helps the reader, I find, invest more in that relationship and understand exactly why so much hinged on it. If you're just pointing fingers, as you said, there's not as much substance there mm. for the reader to latch on to. And so I think that providing enough background and illuminating that stage a little bit so we see where this person came from and then what that interaction was like for the memoirist just heightens that drama. Yeah, definitely, definitely does. And, you know, your, your father begins his life, you talk about boarding school, you talk about some boundaries and issues sexually that, that affected him. And so tell, can you talk a little bit about what you wanted to balance in presenting his lack of boundaries in your life with the lack of boundaries and the abuse that he suffered as a child? Yeah, well, interestingly, my editor, when she took this book on, she had very little to, to sort of add to it. I'd, I'd written, I'd completed the, the memoir before I sent it to her. But the one thing that she was concerned about was that by focusing too much on the trauma of my father's past or, you know, what, what I kind of found out about him, because it wasn't necessarily stuff that he had told me, but it was stuff that his sister <clears throat> knew about, that I was somehow excusing his behaviour. And she was concerned that my reader would feel that that it wasn't an excuse, you know, that his betrayal and his lack of boundaries and his lack of protection of me was was sort of far worse than than that, you know, um, and, and actually perhaps something more to do with his sort of solipsism or his sociopathic nature. Mm -hmm. So I felt it was really important to put in his, the, the abuse that I, I thought he had had at boarding school that I was told he'd had. And of course, you know, when you start to recognize that, you see the patterns of behavior that get passed down through the generations. And I think that perhaps, I mean, you know, I, I think his, the, that those early experiences at prep boarding school when he was seven was definitely fracturing for him. And I think it's it sort of cut him off from, from feeling. I think it must have done. It, he, he really lacked empathy. And also, I think then, you know, prevented me from, prevented him from being a proper father to me and, and not really engaging with his feelings of protectiveness for me. But I think it's also just interesting how those kinds of early experiences can remain as shadows in the next generation that that you sort of mm -hmm. try to rebel against it or or try to be a better person than that but actually you surprise yourself that often you can 
end up going down a similar path without even realizing it. So I was interested in exploring that as well. Mm -hmm. And I also noticed that throughout Sins of My Father, you do a marvelous job of shining a light on what what Philip Lopate, for example, has called the divided self. And, and you, you touched on it before in terms of the reflective self. You offer so many examples of the push-pull you faced in your life when it came to relationships and understanding, you know, love and intimacy and, and how your father shaped your feeling of those and the way you went into the world. And you do it in many different ways. I, I found it varied and illuminating each time. It in one example, you write about the, quote, discordance between what I needed and what I had to endure. And I think that that is so effective in memoir and is so important. So can you talk about how you came to articulate it, uh, your own patterns and orientation to love with such clarity as you wrote the book? Mm, thank you. I think, I mean, you know, it, it sort of sounds a little bit like a cliche, but I think having been in therapy for, I think maybe three years, two years, three years, I was in Jungian therapy, because I really needed to be in that I had driven myself into a very kind of dark corner. And I, I didn't really know how to get out. But I think it came at a really good time for me. But I think that process of being in a situation with somebody that you trust, who is constantly reflecting on you, is very similar to what we're doing as memoirists in that we are going back into the situation of our memory and we're recalling it and writing it as close as we can to how it felt to, to that child or that 20 year old or you know whoever it was in the past. And then we're standing back as the narrator now and we're reflecting on, on what we now understand or you know can can surmise or, or work out from that event you know with hindsight with with wisdom mm -hmm. and that felt really important to me and once I kind of recognized that that's what I needed to do and that's what I was doing in the writing process because I think for a while I was kind of skirting around and not really not really honoring that older voice you know that the voice of me now the, the mature mm -hmm. woman um mm -hmm. but once I recognized that that I needed to do that I mean actually I had some advice from another writer friend who just said she said just step up into the narrative you know have authority mm -hmm. have the authority of as the person who has done all this research and lived with this in their entire lives and but also has has committed to writing about it and that was a real revelation for me. It was like, oh, yeah, okay, so maybe I do have authority. And, you know, maybe people do want to hear what I have to say and, and what I've kind of come to realize. And so once I did that, once I stepped up into it, it, the narrative really came alive. But I do put a lot of that down to sort of, you know, just having kind of got used to objectifying my experience through the process of therapy I think it was really mm. helpful for me to be able to see patterns and to see my experiences as something you know that I that I could con that I could master that I could contain and of course as, as memoirists and writers you know we are trying to master our narrative yeah. aren't we we're trying Yes. Well, I think I must get comforted by analyzing behavior and trying to make sense of things, which is why I'm endlessly interested in memoir, because it sort of gives me a false sense of order, I think. Yeah. 
So for you, uh, you know, what concerns did you have about sharing your story, uh, especially, and I'm wondering if you can speak to what it's like to live in a city where there has been a sort of a history of your family producing books and publishing and writing. What was the reception like for you? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, there's, there's the reception on the greater scale, which has been amazing um you know i think i've i've sort of touched a lot of people's lives and experienced people of my peers you know our peers who were were born into the 70s and who had parents who were sort of rebelling against convention and wanting an alternative lifestyle and also the the cult followers you know that's been interesting just the remnants of that and sort of being mm-hmm. welcomed back into that community in lots of ways which has been a, a process in itself but in terms of my family um i think the fact that my mom is a my mom's a biographer she's always written she's never written memoir but she she you know she understands the process and so she she was very supportive of me from the start which i think i couldn't have written the book and i wouldn't have written the book without her support mm-hmm. my brother also is in publishing and and he you know he he was there at my side throughout the whole process i had a few kind of surprising responses from people who were not my immediate family but who were affected by my dad um, more mm-hmm. more than i had thought that they were and who found it difficult that I had published this book you know they 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 thought it was okay for me to write it but weren't that too too enamored with the fact that I had published it but I I sort of put that I mean I I think I think you know memoir is difficult isn't it because it brings up difficult feelings and it brings up mm-hmm. stuff that upsets people and <laughs> it you know you do hold a responsibility as someone who has has committed to doing that which can be very uncomfortable actually you know you don't want to hurt people's feelings but at the same time i think it's just staying true to the motivation of why you are doing it and what actually is ultimately a gift because you know you are i'm just going back to your question about seeing everything with a 360 degree angle you know you you are trying to do the best job that you can in understanding something that has that has affected many many people so that's what i've kind of stood by but it's it's not always been easy mm-mm, mm-mm. and craft wise what aspect of writing memoir do you notice you find challenging um, beyond maybe the psychology like just on the craft and nuts and bolts I think just the psychology. Um, (laughs) And uh, yeah, I don't think I find anything else so challenging. I mean, of course, it's it's, they both go hand in hand, don't they? I think it's actually Philip Lopate who says that that to write memoir, you need to have a certain preparedness to be open to exposure. And Mm -hmm. so I think that that preparedness can take time you know I'm I'm working on a a new idea a new memoir idea and I haven't got to that point yet where I really understand what it's about to the point that I can actually start to commit the words to the page that need to be committed to the page if you see what I mean it's like Mm -hmm. you know I think I have to do a bit of sort of soul searching before I get Mm -hmm. to that point so I think that's probably the most challenging aspect of it. I don't think it's I don't think it's something that you can sit down and dream up. I think you have to mm. write your way into it. 
Mm, yes, I agree with that. I like that a lot. I think you're right, because sometimes you can face the page as a memoirist, and you know you've got some memories in there, and you've got some scenes, and maybe perhaps dialogue. But for me, at least, I noticed when things were missing, or I wasn't understanding something. Mm. And I couldn't hammer my way through that. It had to kind of get to me in an aha yes, at a later time. Exactly. Yeah. So what do you hope readers will take away from your story? Solidarity, I suppose. You know, if you've had a tricky relationship with a parent, I think. Um, and, and just that that sort of love-hate thing. You know, it's like you your parent is difficult uh, for so many reasons, but you you can't help loving them. And I think that that's really what I was trying to put across on the page, was just my devotion to my father, despite everything. So yeah, I mean, and also, yeah, I mean, you know, it's lovely if you f- if you feel that you're helping people process their own pain or, or you know, things that, that have, have have ghosted them in their lives. So, mm. you know, it, I mean, that's the that's the, the best result for me is when I get those emails from people who have been moved and have been helped by what I've mm-hmm. written. I think also just briefly, you know, I think it is a time for those voices, those those people who have been somehow kind of in the shadow of a selfish parent and and perhaps haven't really found their voice, you know, they haven't found a way of articulating that. And I think to be a part of that conversation is really important. Mm. If I could be helping other people maybe start to write themselves, you know, I feel really strongly about being an advocate for people exploring their life stories through their own words. Can you share some of your favorite memoirs? Yeah, um, well, there's many, many memoirs that I love, but ones that really have stuck with me. I, I totally loved Educated by Tara Westover. I know everybody seems to love that one. It's such a bestseller, mm-hmm. but it, it really, 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 really moved me. And I felt when I put down the, the book at the last page, I felt like it had changed me. And mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever really felt that way about a book before. There was, and I think actually what it was, was that sense of kind of working it out on the page, you know, that she came to understand something about herself through the story itself. And I think that's one of the really powerful things about memoir. Another memoir that does that is um, Melissa Phoebos's Whip Smart, which I found really mm-hmm. moving as well. You know, she, she goes on a real sort of journey of self-realization through that book. I'd also like to recommend a, a UK writer. Um, she, I think she might even be half American, but she lives in the UK. Her name is um, Emma Forrest, and she wrote a book called It's All in Your Head quite a few years ago, which I love, and recently had a book published, another memoir, a second memoir, which is called Busy Being Free. And she just has this wonderful kind of lightness and humor in the way that she writes about very sort of, you know, very kind of dark, sometimes dark. Her first book is quite dark, um, but, you know, definitely very important subjects about living and life and, yeah, the humankind. So, no, I love her work as well. Great. Thank you. And Lily, is there a piece of advice you can share with listeners about writing or memoir writing as we end our conversation? Yeah, I think it, you know, it sort of goes back to what we were talking about, you know, in, in terms of how these things are formed. We can feel completely overwhelmed by the prospect of writing about our lives or writing a novel, but, you know, more focus on perhaps memoir. 
And I think actually the best way in is to write those memories and to write those scenes and just write what comes to you, just to keep writing. And then I think through that process, you will be able to, to see the links and start reflecting on memories and start thinking about the way it's affected you. And then before you know it, the whole thing starts to to slip into place. So yeah, just just write. I think that it's a kind of it's an obvious one, but yeah, don't don't be put off by the scary enormity of it all. Yes, I like that. Thank you so much. And and where can people find you, Lily? Where's the best places to connect with you? Well, I'm on Twitter quite a lot um, as Lily Dunn Writing, and I'm also I've got a website which is lilydunn.co.uk. And you can buy my book in the U- in the U.S. actually on Amazon U.S. as well as over in the U.K. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And we'll put all those links in the show notes so people can easily find them. Thank you so much for being my guest and spending this time with me, Lily. Thank you, Ronnie. It was such a pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to Let's Talk Memoir. For more about this episode and my guest, please visit the link in the show notes or on Instagram at Ronit Plank. That's R-O-N-I-T-P-L-A-N-K. You can also follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. If you liked this episode of Let's Talk Memoir, please go ahead and share it with your friends and subscribe. And if you have two more seconds, you can rate and review it on Apple Podcasts, which really does help other people find the show. Thank you so much for being here. 